Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. want to welcome Joanne Zook. You are in the hot seat, girl. We've got the couch back. I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> and you, it's just you and I tonight. That's so, wild. I know, um, but uh, feel free, though, for all of you that are joining us on Facebook, you can write in your questions to Joanne, because we're continuing the conversation about power. But this one, I think, is going to be a little bit different. Uh, you have many shades of power, so to speak. Uh, leadership and strategy mm -hmm. is your forte. Mm -hmm. I want to just talk about a, a little bit about your background and now who you are as an entrepreneur and being your own true personal self. Being Joanne. Being yeah. Joanne. Being Joanne Zook. What does that awesome. mean? Awesome. <laughs> well, first of all, I have the best last name. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm the original Jay-Z, in case you know. Um, <laughs> You know, he's a singer in the States. My kids listen to him, of course, but um, I had the, the initials originally. So, yeah, my name's Joanne. I, uh, I am now a negotiation expert, coach, um, trainer, but I spent almost 20 years in the public service being an anonymous public service leader. And so I've gone through a huge shift in, in being you know, present and being able to speak, uh, speak my truth um, mm -hmm. and not, not be behind the scenes in the last year. And, and it's been amazing. Um, I left the public service in March and I can honestly say I'm, I'm happier than I've been in probably 25, 30 years since I was like 17 and life was all ahead of me and perfect and amazing, right? Well, you know what? Well, first of all, to have the opportunity that you have now, it is really truly wonderful and I think that's where a lot of women now are wanting to go and I think it, age doesn't matter it's you know where opportunity happens you have to grab it Absolutely. and go for it but you learned a lot though along the way too and mm -hmm. I want to talk about in the jobs that you've had male dominated I mean working for the man mm -hmm mostly. The <laughs> I, I like that. I mean, sorry, Susie. Man. Sorry, Susie. I, I know. I think that's your phrase, but mm -hmm. I had to say that. But you have to see a shift, though, in that now, right? Women are getting into power. Yeah. Yeah, but there's an interesting thing, and I've talked about this with a few people recently, an interesting observation that I've seen among women in power, um, certainly over the last 10 or 15 years, and it was even more prevalent before, 
um, is that women now are, are finding that they have a choice when they have power. So my last job in the public service was the coolest job that you could imagine. I got to lead a culture of innovation, build a culture of innovation across the whole organization and work with inspiring public servants who were doing really rewarding and important work. Um, and and what I found was that so many of, so I used my privilege in that position mm -hmm. to create opportunities, to bring diverse people into that office and influence policymaking across the organization, um, to really eliminate some of the barriers and the sexism and misogyny mm -hmm. that I had experienced um, and, and use my power for good rather than evil. <laughs> But so many of the women, and I, I know others have experienced this, so many of the women that I, I worked alongside over the years chose the other path. So we all had to face that, that, um, that sexism along the way. I mean, I remember stepping into the Department of Finance, coming to my first meeting, and I was wearing a pink blazer, and I walked into a room of 35 men. Um, all wearing black suits, white shirts. They were all gray hair. They, like, they looked identical. And me and my pink blazer, um, you know, for many years, like, I really had to, you had to play the part to get to those tables. Mm -hmm. But you have a choice once you get there to make things easier for others or to, you know, as I heard many times, you have to earn your stripes because I did too. And um, and there's this nasty tendency that a lot of a lot of my colleagues had uh, had you know borne on their on their teams that the women were held to a higher standard and that's just not right. Um, no. We face enough garbage on the way up that that we really do need to lift one another up. So, and why is that? I I think that we truly do find that more often than not we really don't really support women. In this day and age where we say, okay, we're all sisters and, you know, mm -hmm. we're here for you and we hear you. And, but at the end of the day. Yeah, I think society teaches us that it's a fixed pie. That there mm -hmm. are only so many seats around that table. That there are only so many opportunities. And in fact, one of my closest friends, um, even today she was announced to be the new incoming CEO of the YMCA of Winnipeg. Um, and she and I grew up in the in the departments together. I worked in the Department of Advanced Education for 12 years, and she and I were at the same rank for much of that time, um, and we're never friends because, you know, the system, the people around you make you feel as though those people, you know, those other women are a direct competitor, that there's really only room for one of you at the table. Mm. Um, and so rather than, so there was a period of time in my early career where I was all about lifting the, you know, my female colleagues yes. up and my non-binary colleagues up, like let's lift them yeah. up, let's find space. But then as you start to advance and you start to experience that, um, you know, sexist comments here and there, difficulty in, in getting projects. Oh, can you organize the office Christmas party? Okay, like I'm the last person you should ever ask to organize <laughs> anything. But, you know, those types of things that contribute to this feeling that you have, you know, there's only so much space for women in real leadership positions. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think there's a lot of socialization that goes into it. So rather than going, you know what, we can create equality at all these tables. We can, we can create more seats at the table. Why yeah. don't we invite, you know, uh, people with different perspectives to sit at the table and provide experiences? Nobody says we only have these number of seats. Um, but, 
but it's yeah it's it's really bred into us within especially in or large organizations mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. the group is very you know small and cliquey and i guess we get that all the time uh now negotiation mm-hmm and and i am bad at this we always sell ourselves short we never put the real value of the work that we do on that proposal on that and then sometimes if you do you go oh my god well that's i'm not going to get it like there's no way so and, and you feel so guilty saying that yes yeah yeah, yeah. and why why <laughs> okay you really want to know why Be yeah. between the ages of 5 and 9 that's mm -hmm. when that behavior is formed in girls Wow. So if you think about yourself at five years old, you probably asked for the world. Mom would ask you, what do you want for supper? And you would say, mommy, I want popcorn and candies and I want steak dinner and I want all the my favorite things. Um, but by the age of nine, you would have learned that that's not how a lady acts. Mm -hmm. A lady should be gracious and grateful and generous with others. A lady should put other people's needs first. Yeah, yeah no. Generosity. Right? Generosity. You've been reading my website. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just it's yeah. like, okay, well, because when I was reading it, it was just like, that's me. Yes. It's not just you. It's half of the population. Child so children raised as girls mm -hmm. by the age of nine negotiate in, in tested scenarios for less than boys, mm -hmm. where at the age of five, they didn't. It was the no. same thing. And they negotiate for even less when they're interacting with a male counterpart. So as we get older and we find ourselves in male-dominated industries and we are going up and negotiating against a male boss, we are actually preconditioned psychologically to ask for less, mm -hmm. um, to feel like we're asking for a tremendous amount even when we're not, um, and to feel like we need to be, you talked about uh, um, gratitude and yes. generosity, feel like we need to be the generous one in mm -hmm. that situation. So, you know, we're, right now we're in a time of like, there's so much economic turmoil, right? There's so much instability, prices are going up. And there's a tendency of women to actually undercut themselves because when they're, you know, entrepreneurs, if they're bidding mm -hmm. on a contract, they'll be like, oh, you know, this organization can't really afford it. So I'm going to drop my prices. Not, I'm going to tell them what my prices are and then have a conversation about what I could do to bring that down to an affordable level. But I'm going to start at a low level because I want to be seen as generous. I want to be seen as being very generous. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't work. It really doesn't work because it just continues on and on. And, it, and then when you, you're forced to do an increase, mm -hmm. then it's just like, wow. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> How dare you want to feed your family and oh. put gas in your car? Well, and, and you know what? It is just what you're worth. Yeah. The work that you do yeah. is worth something. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, people don't see a value in it. Well, people see a value in it if you place a value on it yourself. Right. right. And that's that's mm -hmm. half the battle is that 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 conversation. Oh, sorry, I'm probably not supposed to hit the microphone. <laughs> I'm okay. Ukrainian. I talk with my hands. <laughs> um, but that conversation starts with yourself every day. And how much do mm -hmm. you value you? I always say, like, I start my day with a negotiation with myself. I wake up in the morning. I for me, I have a morning routine that I feel really mm -hmm. good if I do it, if yeah. I commit to it. Um, and 
And every morning I walk into the kitchen and I see that, you know, my daughter's had a bagel the night before and there's crumbs everywhere and there's dishes. <laughs> and my husband had a can of Coke and he left the can out. And I think, oh, I could just take a few minutes and clean that up. But that's a downward spiral for me because mm -hmm. as soon as I do that, then I'm wiping down the counters and then I'm tidying things up and or I'm emptying the dishwasher. And before I know it, I don't have time to do that thing that is really important and makes me feel grounded. Right. I mean, that's the first negotiation that we do every single morning with ourselves. So am I going to put myself first or am I going to put myself second after yeah, the crumbs on the counter? Well, and we always do that. Yeah. So it, what is it that grounds you? Is it like a project that you're working on or it could be anything that comes to your mind? Well, I mean, for me, it's yeah. it's about like brush, brushing my teeth and washing mm -hmm. my face and, you know, doing yeah. my like just that Routine. little bit of self-care. Yeah. And um, and then I sit down and write for an hour. I'm a writer. I have yeah. a lot of thoughts. My brain never shuts off. So I <laughs> I brain dump and I write for an hour. And sometimes it's dreams and sometimes it's plans and sometimes it's work projects. And, you know, I've been mulling over something. But I use that time to just sort my day and think through what's a priority today. What do I need for me today? How am I feeling? Like this yeah, morning, I was just like super low energy and there's no reason for it. I was at no. the lake. It was beautiful. Yeah. There's no reason to not feel great, but you, know, you, do. Just, yeah. you do. It's the lake air. Mm. Uh, okay. So power in women, <laughs> leadership. I, I mean, we do have good leaders. And I guess for, a, you know, I don't know a large part or a small part, it's innate, it's genetics or, you know. It's again that, that socialization. Yeah. Um, one of the, so what's fascinating is when you look at business schools, yeah. really it's only about the last 10 years that business schools have been focused on teaching empathy. Really? Empathy. Huh? Empathy is a core function of an effective leader. So mm -hmm. EQ, uh, emotional quotient, I mean, that mm -hmm. was that was first, I think, developed the concepts around that in the 80s or the, the early 90s. Um, but that's not that long ago. No, right? The idea no. that a business leader, that a CEO mm -hmm. should, should be able to practice the steps of empathy. So listening, asking questions, um, being able to validate and, and, and make people feel seen Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. That set of skills is now, of course, being taught in business school. And, and it's the thing that um, really frustrated me when I started working on the negotiation side of things because um, all of the research about negotiation comes out of, or most of it comes out of Harvard. Yes. So Harvard School of Business. And there's a school of negotiation there. And 99% of the resources there are about teaching empathy. Because that's the like that's the most important thing. If you want to negotiate an agreement with, you know, a big corporation, you know, mm -hmm. with a small, if we yeah. wanted to work together, understanding what the other person needs is actually a really important skill. And lo and behold, so many of the students coming through the program didn't have that innate skill because again, it's it's something we're conditioned as as women, as children yeah. raised as girls to uh, to really hone, you know, to um, you know, Uncle Uncle Tom comes in and we're going to make sure we listen to what it is that he needs. Oh, do you need something to drink? Do you need something mm -hmm. to eat? We're going to listen to what others need and take care of their needs first. So and why so, aren't there more women leaders now? Because it's that combination of undervaluing ourselves and, and actually putting ourselves second to the extreme, right? Mm -hmm. um, we do make effect, very effective leaders mm -hmm. when we're able to temper that 
um, that empathy with strong decision making and, um, and, and cutting off, uh, you know, relationships and being firm and setting, setting effective boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. Boundaries are, are huge, are right? Are huge. Like think about, I don't know if you've ever had the, op the experience in your career, but when you go from being a teammate to being a leader and you had friends and you'd go out mm -hmm. for Friday night drinks with everybody, men don't really struggle with that transition that emotional transition but women really do they struggle to set boundaries they seek to be liked mm -hmm. um, and they continue to reinforce you know friendship behaviors that are no longer maintainable at that level right like right. if you need to performance manage somebody and provide direct feedback then you can't be going out and drinking with them every Friday. Night. Like it doesn't work, but, yeah. um, but we're not taught these lessons. And, and so business schools also like, you know, I, I worked in post-secondary education for a long time and it's clear like PSC doesn't really serve women. It's built around the needs of men and mm -hmm. it's just now starting to recognize like, women don't need how to learn how to be empathetic. They need to learn how to set effective boundaries, make hard decisions, have hard performance conversations, um, because they already do that with empathy. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, to have both those skills, wonderful. And I guess the way the world is right now, as women, it's not looking very good. Oh, my God. I mean, kind of scary. You have a daughter. Um, do you wonder, like, what is the future going to be like for her? As um, she yeah, I worry. Because an adult. For sure. Um, and, and does she? Or does she? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, my younger daughter, so I have two daughters. I have right. a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old. And my 19-year-old is, is angry that this would happen. And, you know, she keeps asking, like, what can we what can we do about this? And so um, I'm going to march on Friday, and, and mm -hmm. I hope she'll be able to come. I'm not sure if she has to work or not. But um, what we can do is gain economic independence. Um, what we can do is own businesses, support women-owned businesses, support non-binary-owned businesses, support historically marginalized people um, so that they can have a seat at the table. Decisions are not made, decisions are made in, in our city, in our province, our country, depending on who's around the table. And, um, and if we're not, if we're not taking those spaces, if we're not asking for those board seats, if we're not owning businesses and seeking to be not just, you know, not just afford our bills, but seeking to be wealthy. There is nothing mm -hmm. wrong with women having wealth. Women spend, I think it's, the stat is 86% of their disposable income on things that benefit their community. Wow. Um, not a rocket ship that's faced like, <laughs> shaped like a, a male anatomy part, right? Like women actually are very community centric in their values. And so nothing bad has ever happened there's a quote somewhere but uh nothing bad's ever happened from women having more money and in fact women being at decision making tables um means a more equitable and more human-centered approach to decision making which we we all desperately need right mm -hmm. so your two daughters do you expound all of this knowledge on them <laughs> Danielle, if you're watching, go clean the bathroom. This is no longer a negotiation. <laughs> or clean up Dad's uh, <sighs> Coke or camp. Yeah, you exactly. Know, no, um, that's the challenge. Is yeah, they've they've certainly watched, and and we've talked about negotiation, and you know, as as they've gone through jobs, mm -hmm. um, we've had these conversations, and so yeah, they. I mean, 
like we've been having a negotiation about the bathroom for several days. It's a <laughs> bit of a stalemate now. Um, but it's it's wonderful to see. Like mm -hmm. one of the things that I always ask whenever I teach a class is, you know, whether you continue working with me or not, please go out there and talk about negotiation with the, the women in your life. Every time you negotiate, talk about it. Talk about what was hard about it. Talk mm -hmm. about what went well, what surprised you. Because most of the time when we ask for something, we actually have the opportunity to get it. But if we never ask for it, we assume people are reading our minds and, mm -hmm. and they'll know. Um, that's one of uh, the work that I do is, um, you know, I've been working in and coaching women through negotiation for about 10 years and um, have identified five blind spots that, that women have all the time around negotiation. And one of them is this faith, this belief that somebody's just, they're just going to know that I, I want this or that I deserve this. Like this absolute faith that the world is good. You know, it's a good world. And, and you know, the, the person cares about me or they're interested in me. So they're going to give me a fair deal or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get a good benefit out of this. And that's actually not the case. Um, wow. So yeah. what are some of the the more prevalent things that you see in women when it comes to negotiations? Well, we talked about some of them. Generosity yeah. mm -hmm. is, so that's what, generosity, um, gratitude. Gratitude's a big one. And especially in our culture right now, because we've we've seen such a rise of um, meditation and Eastern practices, which mm -hmm. are wonderful. And I practice gratitude on a daily basis. But we conflate the idea that we, we can't be grateful and ask for more. Mm -hmm. And the truth is we can. We can be really grateful for the opportunity and mm -hmm. ask for what we deserve. Oh, and ask for what, yeah. in fact, ask for what we desire. Um, oh, because we can. <laughs> there's, like, there's a range there, right? Yeah. There's, we often walk in and say, well, here's what I need. <laughs> okay? Yes. Yeah. But you're only going to negotiate down from there. Well, right. So when you start there, you're you're not going to walk out with success. But when you when you do the work and think about, okay, what do I need? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, what's the minimum that I would need to say yes and feel like this is a dignified contract or agreement yes. or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, but also, what would I love to have? What would I desire? What do I wish could come out of this? What are all of the, the wild opportunities that could happen? Because if we don't actually give ourselves permission to have those thoughts first, mm -hmm. we never get to have the conversation. And then we're never creating the mutual benefits that come from saying, hey, you know what, Tracy, I have this wild idea. Maybe we could work together on this thing. And yeah. it's like this. And then we, we bounce ideas off one another. And we come out with a whole new creation that I couldn't have sat down and thought of on my own. You couldn't have sat down of, on no. your own and thought of. Um, and we're not just talking about the minimum that I need to, you know, come in yes. and sit on the Hugh couch for an hour. <laughs> yes. Okay, absolutely, yeah. right? But yeah. but what else could we do? No, and that's that's the exciting part. So question, is it money mostly or is it other things? Is it, you know, flex hours? Is it, you know, daycare, everything? everything? I mean, everything comes down to money, right? Time yes. is money and you can think about it that way. But money is rarely the most important thing in a negotiation. Mm -hmm. It's what are you trying to achieve? And, and I mean, for a long time I did salary negotiation. That was my primary work. And, I, um, and so there, you know, like, yes, the employer wants to pay you the lowest amount that you will say yes to. Like, that yes. is their objective. Mm -hmm. There's no, no. no two ways about it. 
Um, but as an employee, what do you what do you want? Uh, Pre-pandemic, did you want the corner office? Do you want a parking mm -hmm. spot? Do you mm -hmm. want uh, a vehicle trans? You know, like a, yeah. a vehicle allowance? Are you looking for an expense account? Are you looking for increased benefits, insurance, um, flexibility, work from yes. home flexibility, um, education expenses? Like there are a host of things mm -hmm. you can if you can imagine it. Even things like priority, pro I get first pick on projects. I get first pick on holidays. Mm -hmm. All of that's I negotiable, know. right? And we don't really think about that mm -hmm. until there's trouble and exactly, and then we need you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so it's, yeah, it's not money. And then the same thing, um, I work primarily with entrepreneurs, female mm -hmm. entrepreneurs now. And, and yeah, money's always there, but especially when entrepreneurs work together, and women entrepreneurs, they're so worried about having that conversation that they yes. fail to optimize the opportunities. And so, you know, I always encourage like a, just a big sky conversation. Like, <laughs> what do you do? What do I do? What are the wild things we could do together? And then like, okay, let's talk about how we might pay each other to do certain <laughs> things. Fine. Yes. Yeah. But, but what are the, op where do the opportunities lie? Oh, I know. Um, and I think these are exciting times because there are so many entrepreneurs and um, mm -hmm. I think it would be just so great to have that kind of community where you can bounce off ideas because more often than not we feel that we're in our own little island and we're you know busy doing our own little thing yeah. and so another thing is how do I expand my business how do I you know mm -hmm. socialize and social media and everything exactly. like that and it, it is like overwhelming sometimes yeah and a lot of those things are things that you can trade for too right like I can provide negotiation advice if you can help me organize something because I mm -hmm. suck at organizing things, right? Like there are trades and, and I think as, as entrepreneurs we're so focused on getting the dollars in the door mm -hmm. and that is absolutely important. But if a strategic move to trade services on something can get the dollars in the door faster from other clients, mm -hmm. that might be a worthwhile um, opportunity. But, but if you don't sit down and think about it, if you don't, and often it's we're not giving ourselves permission to even yeah. have that And that, have that thought, conversation, right? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't meet with somebody without sitting down and taking some notes and going, okay, like knowing what I know about this person, what is the coolest list of things that, that I would <laughs> love to do with this person? Um, and, and I think they're gonna pitch me on something, so what would I actually want from them you know, mm, okay. and just, it just those yeah. two questions, like, what do I, what would I want out of this relationship? Okay. So did you do that with me too? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no. I didn't. Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. <laughs> well, we've known each other in a different capacity for a little while. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think that, uh, well, y you're no stranger to the show anyways. We had our first uh, meet with the, with the launch, yeah, the mayoral yes. campaign launch for Rana Bakari, and you are uh, her speech writer. And we had talked about words, but now if we take a look at the power of words and what we say and little nuances, those are all important too. They are. For leadership and for communication. Mm hmm Yeah. I mean, I think about, um, if you've never done it, videotape yourself while you're in a conversation, like a Zoom call. Set your mm -hmm. phone up and record it and then watch yourself afterward. Um, the number of times that we uh, diminish ourselves in conversations, that we're self-deprecating, that we are, you know, we're saying, well, I just need, or I mm -hmm. only need. 
um, that we're minimizing our needs. Well, you know, it would be okay if we just did this. It's unbelievable how how we, you know, I think we've really been socialized. Glennon Doyle talks about this in, in her, mm-hmm. li- like in, in Untamed in that book. Um, but that we've been so socialized, especially as women of childbearing age, to be selfless, to give mm-hmm. of ourselves, to be, that that's the best, the best, um, you know, compliment you can give a woman is to say, oh, you're so selfless. And I'd be going, huh? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, because you know. selfless, the opposite of selfless is selfish. selfish. Yes. And that's the thing that we don't want to be, right? We don't want to be arrogant. We don't, because because there's a special a special treatment that we have for women who are arrogant and selfish and and bullies and you know we we treat them and we we speak about them with really disparaging terms mm-hmm. um we would never do that about men no right? no no um or rarely and we would still defend them for being like i think about the former u.s president right <laughs> like like yes. the, He's just yes. a businessman. That's how they are. Like, you know, we, we condone the behavior because it's it's gender-based, right? And mm-hmm. and we are not supposed to be that way. Um, but there's somewhere in between selfish and selfless. And, and I like to think about it as self-respecting, uh, mm-hmm. self-care. Like, there's a whole continuum there. You know, just because you decide to put yourself first this morning does not mean that you're at the opposite end that you're like with mr trump down at that end right <laughs> no, no but no. those are like that's how we internalize it and think, right. well, i have to i have to put everybody else first mm-hmm. and then i can go and sit down and read this book that i've been waiting for six months to read because because that's just know, or or you could just sit down and read your book and be like gloriously happy on saturday afternoon and then your family will get the best of you and you'll order pizza instead of you making it from scratch. And You, you know, lead such a Pollyanna life. Well, no, I make the pizza from scratch and I swear my head off. And the kids go, Why am I doing this? A but, reality. But, I, I, but it is practice, right? Yeah. And, and we don't do it enough. We, I, I guess perhaps we don't give our own self enough credit. We forget that we are, we only get, to, like, we only get to live this life once. Whatever yeah. you believe about afterlife or whatever, but you only you only get to be Tracy this mm-hmm. one time, and and you only get to do the all of the magical, wonderful things that you're going to get to do once. So, um, why would you spend sixty percent of your life worrying about everybody else first? Nobody else is going to live your life for you. You're the only one mm-hmm. that's going to do it. Um, but we are so just so conditioned and socialized to to focus on the needs of of everybody else before our own and that means we're operating as shells Mm -hmm. really and we can't so are you joanne zook happiest ever right now i am i actually really am i mean i'm still like i fight with my husband i fight with my daughters yeah no 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 clean the toilet (laughs) um but yeah like i just i feel as though I am able to live in alignment with my values mm-hmm. more so than I ever have, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, working in, in a public service role, you don't get to have a voice. You're supposed to be quiet mm-hmm. um, and you're, you're serving the elected government. And so, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't speak out on social media. My, so what I, I would know. say about even issues like what happened in the United States last week, um, I, I wouldn't have said anything probably a year and a year and a bit ago. Um, 
but now I get to say that violates my values. I believe that women mm -hmm. and men are equal and we should have the option to make whatever choices are right for us. Um, but uh, it's it's just so freeing to be able to to do that, mm -hmm. um, to choose work and to work with people that I really like. I always get this question whenever I post like things like when I post things that um, identify that m men and women are different in negotiation on yes. social media. Yes. I always get a DM or six from an angry man who says, "Why don't you why don't you create these things for men?" <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, because the rest of the world is created. The 99% yeah. of the stuff coming out of Harvard is just fine, right? Yes, yeah. Um, and so it's it's wonderful. It's so rewarding to be able to work in um, in alignment with the things that I think are important. And, and I just want to see, I had the, the great fortune of mentoring so many young and not so young women throughout my mm -hmm. career and seeing them grow into themselves and take ownership and like take up space in a leadership mm -hmm. role. So rewarding. Um, and yeah, yeah. And before we end, I think to, to speak on that is that when you have the confidence and belief in yourself, you accept other people and you celebrate their, their, you know, their accomplishments. Exactly. As equally as, as, as yourself. Yeah. Because you are fulfilled. Yeah. And it is... I think those that are unfulfilled, that's where the jealousy and mm -hmm. all of the envy and then the bullying yeah. and passive aggressiveness and all of those wonderful things that us women <laughs> go through, uh, that's when that happens. Yeah. And then you have to kind of take a step back and what is it really? Why, why am I really saying this or doing this? Mm-hmm. And so. what's the end game, right? Yeah. What are you trying to achieve? Is exactly. it just about you? Is it about, is it about, or is it about actually making a difference? And making a difference means, you know, pulling other people with you and, and mm -hmm. supporting others. And, and mm -hmm. everybody's in a different, everybody's in a different place. Everybody's yeah. in a different stage of their lives and mm -hmm. their careers. And, and you know what, I'll, I'll even say like there is an, there is actually one other negotiation coach in Winnipeg. I had never met another one. And then I finally started, you know, charging for my services and I met another one. And, and like, I, I work closely with her. I lift her up. Her name is Kat Daka and she's very active in the Filipino community. Um, but she teaches negotiation from a completely different perspective. It's about uh, a migrant, like a, mig a migrant's experience yes. with negotiation and unpacking that colonial, you know, the yeah, colonial yeah. experience of, of totally. your self-worth and your self-value. And so and that's I that's a whole other story. It's a whole she other needs, side of it. She needs to be on the couch. Because, she should be on the couch too, yes. Because if we look at our, all our, our women, our BIPOC community. Exactly. And like you had talked about non-binary too, that's, that's yeah. a whole yeah. other conversation exactly. to be had. So I yes. really, really appreciate it. So uh, great to see you. You kind of, you know, set the story straight on power negotiation. <laughs> Joanne Zook, she is the expert. But you know what? It's always, it's always great to meet another incredible woman in our city. I know, and there are so many. So, mm -hmm. well, thank you so much, thank and you. thank you to all of you for joining us on the Hugh Living Room Couch. We will see you. It'll be a few weeks till the next episode, but I will be back throughout the summer. And you'll never know who will be on the couch and eventually in our Zoom chat too as well. So have a wonderful Tuesday evening and have a safe and wonderful summer.
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.